As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Seven fifty-five is real with David O'Brien and Eric O'Flaherty is on the air now. Welcome back. 755 is real, and we are live. David O'Brien, Braves writer with The Athletic, and I'm with uh, Eric O'Flaherty, former Braves reliever extraordinaire. What's up, Eric? Not much. What's going on? Eric was talking about his frustrations on the golf course this weekend. I told him I don't do that shit, so I don't have those frustrations. <laughs> I don't. I really actually don't get mad out there. Unless, unless the people I'm playing with are taking it too serious, then, then you just have fun. It was just the people. That's right. You yeah. don't yeah. like the people. <laughs> so you're not going pro. Going to work on Monday. Either way, it's okay to shoot 85. Let's have a good time. <laughs> uh, well, since we last talked, the Braves have certainly made some uh, – it's incremental progress, but it's progress. There's no doubt. I mean, this was the best week they've put together. Um, a th- you had a 4-3 and three week against – the two mm-hmm. teams with the best, with the most wins in the NL. I think the Dodgers are probably still acknowledged as the best team in the NL, but the two division leaders in the East and the Central, four and three against the, the Mets and Brewers. Split with the Mets, that great nine to two win on the last day. And then you take two of three from the Met, from the Brewers with another nine to two win. So I think it's a sign of t- two things. It's all starting to come together a lot more. And the offense is really starting to click a little bit. And that's not a coincidence. Why? Acuna makes a huge difference atop the order. Huge difference. Huge. And just seeing those big, you know, blowout win. It's it's a day off for your pen. It's a day off for, you know, everybody on your team just to have some breathing room in a few games. You know, it's it's amazing what that does for the, yeah. the vibe in the clubhouse to just beat the doors off somebody and not have a stressful win or loss for a day or two, you know. That your relievers aren't double barreled down in the pen the whole game. Uh, Matzik got a chance to get a little work inning in, which you can't do that when it's one one in the ninth. Right. You know, it's it, it's good to see the offense doing that type of stuff. Um, like I said, this is no coincidence that this this uh, offensive strides made in the last week are directly correlate with Ronald Acuna playing a lot more returning for the first time for returning a couple weeks ago, but now playing basically every day, just played three days in a row, including the day game after a night game. So the rules are already kind of out the window that they had, which we thought were kind of unrealistic anyway. I mean, when he's in there playing really well, showing no signs of injury and the offense is clicking, you're just going to sit him the next day because it's a day game after night game. I didn't think they'd do that especially with them five or six games behind the Mets, and they're not doing that. So, um, Well, who I'm, knows if it was bothering him not hitting every day, too. You know, you're know, yeah. trying to get him going, and, and he's not a guy that's, for me, that's going to succeed or feel his best sitting a day and then playing the next. Yeah, so I'm expecting him to play basically every day. I think they'll rest him some day games after night games, some. Yeah. But they didn't do that against the Brewers. They wanted to win that series, and he didn't feel bad, so why not? And, and – I can't imagine him being really sore or anything because the guy looks phenomenal. He's running – literally, he's he's faster than he was before the surgery. There's no doubt in my mind. Watching yeah. him, it's noticeable. He's yeah. already stole four bases, dude. In nine games, he's tied for fifth in the league in stolen bases. Yeah, and, and for me, it's it, 
seeing him use his speed is the number one yeah. sign that he's feeling great. You know, seeing him take bags and go hard on, on ground balls and everything like that. He's not playing timid. How about that? Which is, yeah, if you saw that, you'd want to give him some space. How about that scoring from first base on uh, Olsen's bloop double to the left field? <laughs> God, he just flies. <laughs> he really sometimes, looks good running right now, man. And sometimes that, you know, guys, sometimes pitchers, you know, they come back from surgeries with – throwing harder or whatever and it's not yeah. the surgery themselves it's this right. chance to really focus on whatever you know mechanical or strength deficit they had that led them to get hurt in the first place so you know Acuña's got that power he probably wasn't doing dedicating time right. to his legs and his leg health but this was a chance for a guy he would have never got this opportunity to work right. almost a year straight on his lower half function which was already functioning at an elite level but now he's even stronger and faster it could be good for him long term yeah, long term with the medical technology that exists now, that's so much better than say when Shipper tore his right. ACL up thirty years ago. It's a, or twenty twenty five years ago. Um, it's so it's not a it's not far fetched to say he may be better off long term for having this than he was because, like you said, he never he's a guy that was fast to begin with. He was he was top ninety five percent speed in the in MLB before it. So. Yep. For him to focus on running, on form and all that, which stuff he'd never done before, on efficiency and running, and just make a slight adjustment, and as well as lifting and stretching and doing more exercises with his legs, limbering up that he never did before, his result is faster now. I mean, he's in great shape. I mean, he's he's put together. He's and and as Snit said, that power is ridiculous. I mean, it's a and joke, that's, and that wasn't going anywhere with however long he sat out. In the batting cage, he's just from the day he got back, he's just different, man. This is a guy that like uh, you know, the cliche about how it just sounds different coming off his bat. It really sounds different coming off his bat. He just hits effortless opposite field home runs in, in batting practice. And oh, he just flips it out. That that yeah. was probably to this day the most impressive thing I've seen him do. Is just he's just blowing bubbles and slapping balls out in the home run derby to right field. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, you know, other guys have to wait for their pitch. This guy's in the home run derby just taking what the pitcher gives him. You yeah. know, I mean, that for, for him to just be staying back and just flicking balls out to right field in the home run derby when everybody else is trying to hit it 500-something feet, he's like, I don't like that one to go deep on, real deep, so I'm just going to take my homer to right in the home run yeah. derby. That, that was the most impressive thing I've seen out of him. It was, uh, let's see, he hit 176, three for 17, with one walk and eight strikeouts and a 440 OPS in his first four games back from the I.L. Not unexpected. I mean, the guy right. only had he the guy only had because they cut short his rehab by a, about a week and brought him back sooner than they were going to. So he only played, uh, I think it was five or six rehab games. He didn't get a lot of at bats at all in rehab, and that's in AAA. And you know, so he comes up first four games doesn't do much. Doesn't look like Acuna. Well, didn't take long for him to start looking like Acuna. His last five games since then, beginning with the second game of the doubleheader, New York. He's hit 368, seven for 19, two doubles, two homers, three walks, seven strikeouts, 455 OBP and a 1244 OPS. And the Braves are three and two in those games against the Mets and the Brewers. And that includes those two nine to two wins, one against the Mets, one against the Brewers. Um, he is uh, at the plate. I can't believe how quickly he has, he has reverted to looking like you know, one of the best three or four players in baseball because at the plate, he just looks so good right now. He's, uh, you know, he's going to cut down the strikeouts probably a little bit more. He's still taking a few pitches that are close just because, I mean, he's just getting used to being in there again yeah. against the best pitchers in the world. But he's not swinging and missing at a, at a much, much at all. At least three or four of those strikeouts are looking, I can recall on the top of my head. Yeah. And the other thing is, in addition to the two homers, he had a single off the bricks, like a foot below the top of that right yeah. field wall. That's a home run in most ballparks. Line drive opposite field. And then he had a Another double one. yesterday yep. that was a foot below the left field wall. So he could yeah. have easily have four homers in these last five games. Yeah, he's he's going. I mean, I wasn't worried about him hitting, but I think, you know, like no matter who you are or how long you've played, every big leaguer gets the jitters on opening day. You know, everybody, it's just a different feeling. And so, like, for him, he could play in 30 rehab games in the minor leagues. That first, yeah. that first, 
he's going to have a different type of adrenaline he's experienced that first week back. And I think and that's he what just, he said. Yeah, he, he was trying was like to do something. Day. Yeah. So I, I think now he's getting comfortable, settled in. It's it's not new anymore. It's he's getting back into the flow of it and playing like himself. And and like in the first first game, first three of bats, you can just throw those out. He said I was so jacked yeah, up. I that's what I mean. Yeah. And you know he wanted to get that first homer out of the way. Yeah. Even though so, he fell down on it. That's funny. Yeah. I, dude, another thing that he did that I've never seen anybody else do. I know there have been a few guys hit home runs because ESPN showed a clip of them that if it he hit that ball 450 feet while falling. I know. It was unbelievable. And that's with these balls that aren't flying either. No. That ball had been 480 with the balls last year. He's just he's just unbelievable, man. This kid is unbelievable talent. He gets every ounce out of that body. And I forgot because it's been a year and they win the World Series without him. So it's easy to forget how much fun it is watching him, how exciting he is because they win the World Series without him, you know? So you're looking, you're thinking all these other guys doing. It's just different when he's in a lineup. It's a different feel when he walks to the plate with that music that he plays, the Latin music that he's got going when he steps to the plate. And you think from pitch one, it might be going out. You don't get that feeling with anybody else. No, you just, he's, you got to tune in because every day, there's a chance that he does something you've never seen before, something special like falling down and hitting a ball 450. Yeah, you know, and I was kind of curious with the new balls if his opposite field power would right. would stay because you know I've been just looking around the league at the guys that had those big jumps like a Cattell Marte or somebody that was like a 12 homer guy and then went to 30, and I was thinking you know normally guys that are hitting the balls opposite field are big dudes. Yeah. And so I'm thinking, you know, he's not that big. I know he's got a special swing. I want to see if these balls are still getting out to right field. And it wasn't quite opposite field home run, you know, the one he he fell down on. It was a little right of center field, but it was right. still that was the ball I was curious and he did over the bullpen. Like his power's just it might he might as well be standing. Yeah. If he gets a ball, it's going out. And he's about fifty pounds lighter. At least. <laughs> and about seventy pounds lighter than Judge. Yeah. If he played in Yankee Stadium, oh my God, he'd hit he'd hit three ninety. The home runs that he'd hit there, the opposite fields. Um, so that's the big thing. I mean, and uh, he's back, so it's just different now. And man, you know, there's only four people in the forty forty club. I don't know that there has ever been a player more designed for forty forty than this guy even in this era when they're not running anymore. Now, if he'd have played 10 years ago, 15 years ago, oh, yeah. I honestly believe he'd be a 50-50 candidate, or at least 40 homers, 50 uh, stolen bases, because when they ran a lot more, but he's doing it. He's running more now, so we'll see. But I think he might be able to get 30-30 this year after missing as many games as he did. I think he can get 30-30 this year. Oh, yeah, I think so too. I, the only thing that's tough about it is you got – you know, I'd say Riley's probably the best power bat in the lineup just consistently right now. But you got Olsen, who you're expecting to be a huge power guy. Right. You want you hope Acuna runs early and doesn't take the bat out of his hand. Right. Or he has to keep taking pitches and stuff. But I don't know if – I'm sure Olsen won't care, and he's used to that. But Unfortunately, uh, he takes a lot of walks. Olsen does. He's a patient hitter, which is really yeah. good. So it gives Acuna time to steal. So uh, you got that going, and and that's reason enough for Braves fans to feel pretty pretty uh, a lot more upbeat than they did a, a week ago about where this team is because it's just a different team with with uh, Acuna in, it. and everybody feeds off it. I mean, I know these are major leaguers, but they all feed off of him and the energy that he brings because they know how different he is than them. I yep. mean, even Austin Riley, a guy who was the first team All MLB last year, he talks about Acuna like he's just a different breed, man. He's a different type talent. So. Uh, oh, and how about the LeBron James? How about Acuna, who is one of the best oh, three or four guys in his sport when he's healthy like he is now? How about Acuna being so excited about what the best one of the best guys in another sport just because LeBron has been around so long. He's a guy Acuna grew up watching. But he got so excited. He was like a little kid that LeBron tweeted to him, you know, <laughs> about that the silencer celebration he did after the home run. I just thought it was great. It reminds you how young Acuna is and yeah. how young a lot of these guys are when they can be so just so jacked up about LeBron James tweeting them. <laughs> well, how old is Acuna? He's 24, 23? He's like 24. Not, I think he's 24. 24. And LeBron's almost 40. So Yeah, so he was probably like 12 years old when yeah. Oh, when yeah. Le, in 03 when LeBron got into the league. Yeah, Acuna is – 
Acuna is 24. I mean, that's a kid. When when LeBron started playing, you know, and LeBron was the biggest thing ever. I remember we graduated right. the same year, and I remember seeing an article about him on the cover of Sports Illustrated. But I mean, he's been the biggest thing in yeah. basketball for however long. So if you're a basketball fan and you know Acuna plays because he can dunk, you seen him dunk. Yeah, like, you know, yeah, we saw him dunk in that in that game that he organizes or takes part in back in Venezuela. Yeah. He's it's weird athletic. for me to realize because I grew up with Jordan, but LeBron is Michael Jordan to all these kids. So yeah, it is. No matter yeah. how big you get in any sport, I mean, LeBron's and worldwide, and he's transcended the sport long since transcended the sport too. So. Yeah, uh, and they're both Nike guys too. So yep. now, Acuna's yep. a Nike guy. It was New Balance before this year. So I think uh, that celebration's called the silencer, though. The silencer. I think you're supposed to do it on the road. Yeah, I don't think Acuna was thinking about. It. He just did it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he just did it. <laughs> Acuna does stuff off the top of his head, I think, man, because he, he just likes it. it. Yep. He feels something. He just does it. I bet you. So, I bet you he had that plan. I bet you he wanted to do it on that first one. He fell down on. Yeah, <laughs> but it'd be kind of awkward after falling down to get up and do it. Eric, let's hear from today's sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. So that's the good. That's the really good. Uh, then we got. We'll talk a little bit about Charlie and the and the and the progress he made yesterday in his start, which was much better than the last. Really, it was only second decent start of the year because he'd had four bad ones between the one San Diego, the first start, which was pretty good, uh, and uh, this one. But Tyler Matzik, I, I he has a five point five nine ERA in twelve appearances this year, nine strikeouts. Eight walks, eight runs, six earned, six hits allowed in nine and two-thirds innings. Mm -hmm. His past three appearances, he's allowed two hits, four runs, three earned, and this is the alarming part, six walks with just one strikeout in two innings. And that included the five walks in a span of three outs. He only recorded three outs in the two two appearances before yesterday. He, he didn't get out of either one of those appearances. Only recorded three outs, gave up five walks. Um, yesterday was a little better. Two runs, two hits, but only one walk in a 9-0 game. So that's the hence the 9-2 final. Yeah. Um, you had, you had, you watched yesterday and you, you had your thoughts about what he was doing yesterday, why he didn't walk anybody, but he gave up those hits. I mean, I just think if you're, if you're him, you know, no matter how much you think you've conquered the yips, anytime you start walking guys or, or having trouble throwing strike that, that bugs in there. And, you know, I think it was really beneficial that the Braves got him a big lead where it takes one of the pressures of putting up a zero out of it. And it looked to me like yesterday he his, he was just determined to throw strikes. He looked a little less aggressive with everything. You know, right. 
he looked a little more timid and, and he wasn't finishing the pitches the same where, you know, we, maybe that's the situation too. You know, there's no adrenaline there, right. but I, I just think that's something that, that always scares me. Anytime I see him throw a pitch nowhere close or, or walk a few guys, I think shit, you know, the yips yep. could come back and you, you gotta, you gotta figure that that doubts in his head a little bit there too. Um, I don't know what he did to get through it. Cause it's not something a lot of guys come back from. And I always admire him for that, but I definitely thought he didn't look like he wanted to just dominate hitters yesterday. Like he had a different thing in mind. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, everybody's thinking about the yips. I mean, you can't not think about it when the guy's career almost ended. He was away from baseball for a couple of years, away from the majors for like five. And I mean, I would go so far as to say almost nobody comes back from the yips, especially a pitcher. I mean, we saw, (laughs) we saw a pitcher have to become an outfielder when he did come back, you know? Yeah. So all all the credit in the world to Matzik for overcoming something that so few people have ever overcome. Uh, a lot of guys have continued their careers by just kind of working around it, you know, and never being the same, whether it was the second baseman, Knobloch, and people that couldn't throw to first base anymore. Or, that was Knobloch, right? Chuck Knobloch? Yeah. Or Steve Sachs, the one that was like the original guy. And, you know, there's just been – this is one of those things that nobody's ever figured out why it happens. But when it happens, it's, it's so bad that it's called it, you know? I mean, people don't yeah. want to talk about what, how bad, what it is. Cause it's just, there's no real answers to it. And this guy overcame that. So you got to think that he's a, he's good. If he overcame it before when his whole career seemed like it was over, that he's going to be able to get through this now. Um, and yesterday was progress. You got to really hope that yesterday's progress cause just to refresh people on how good Tyler Matzik has been. This is a guy that's got a nickname, Nutsack, for a reason. Yeah. A non-closer who got as big of an ovation as any Brave at the introductions after the World Ser- Series at the Victory Parade and again on opening day. That's not only not typical of relievers, it's almost unheard of for non-closing relievers. But he did. That's how popular and how everybody uh, respects how big of an impact he had on the season last year. They don't win a World Series without Tyler Matzik. Oh, they year. don't make it to the World Series, I don't I, think. I ag- agreed. And the and the year before, they don't get to the NLCS without him. So, right. But here's how good he was. 2-6-4 ERA in 90 appearances during the 2020-2021 uh, seasons, including the short and 2020 season. 120 strikeouts, 47 walks, and 92 innings. That included last year, which was kind of a star-making season for him. 257 ERA, 69 appearances, 77 strikeouts, 63 innings. He had 37 walks in those 63 innings, but he only gave up 40 hits, including three homers. I mean, he was yeah. all, all but unhittable a lot of the time. Then what, there was his postseason, which was off the charts good. He pitched in 13 of the Braves' 16 games, had a 172 ERA, 24 strikeouts and four walks with 10 hits and three runs allowed in 15 to two-thirds innings. The guy was unbelievably good in the postseason. In 20 postseason appearances over the last two years, Matzik has a 1.48 ERA with 38 strikeouts and seven walks in 24 and a third innings. I mean, that, for a guy that once had his career derailed by the yips, to come through on the biggest stages like that again and again and again is really remarkable. Yeah, uh, it's it's insane. You know, I, I watched him all year long last year, and I just thought, what a what a feeling it would be to be. I mean, there'd be there's nothing. You know, even for me as a retired player, when I throw a baseball and I can't make it do the shit I used to be able to make it do anymore, it's so deflating. And to have been where he was, where he was still fully able physically, yeah. and his brain was just getting in the way. I mean, there's no darker place to be, I don't think, as a professional athlete than the yips, where you know you're physically capable, you could do it yeah. yesterday, and all of a sudden today you're throwing balls into the dugout. Um, right. And, and it just it destroys guys, you know, where they can't even watch baseball or think about baseball or talk about baseball again to keep fighting and get through that. I mean, it, it just takes a special person. And so when he was when he was having all that success, especially that game against the Dodgers last yeah. year, it's it, – for me, as as just a you know an outsider looking in now, I've, I have never been happier for a player in general than right. that. Maybe Trey Mancini, who had to take time right. off when he got cancer, but just to, for a guy to beat something and be back on the field, succeeding and doing well, 
I was just blown away that he could do that. And, and I also, you know, I wondered, all right, as the pressure mounts and rises, right. And the anxiety gets higher and the, and the stress gets higher. Could it kick back in? How is he going to handle it? And it was like, whatever he did mentally to get himself in that place where he could beat the yips in general, it made pressure not even affect him. He got better. The more pressure was on him. Yeah. It was impressive. He didn't just beat the yips. He came back and, succeeded in the biggest stage in the highest pressure when there was no margin for error none like with the bases loaded he comes in and what do you have to do to get out of it double plays or strikeouts you know and he did it so i mean he beat the yips in the biggest way you could possibly beat the yips you know it'd be like the guy the putt the pga golfer who can no longer putt who has the yips all of a sudden becoming the best putter on the tour again you know i mean that's how thinking like a 30 footer to win Right. I mean, that's how phenomenal his, how much he, the, the, the degree to which he beat the yips. So that'd be why I would be confused, I guess, but the yips are confusing anyway, as to why it would return in April, early May in these relatively meaningless games, you know, after he got through it in the postseason. But if he did walk a couple of guys, you don't know what's in the back of your mind. The mind's a fucking weird thing, man, when that could be triggered. So but, it's never gone. I, right, I, I think right. that it's just, it's, you beat it and you learn how to cope with it and you learn how to manage it. But if you're a guy that was pre-wired to get it in the first place, you know, yeah. something about your brain that that can completely shut you down physically because of these thoughts that are going through it and this, you know, just lack of being fluid and, and just not being able to function all of a sudden, something that you've done your whole life. Yeah. I think that bug is is always in there. And, you know, if I'd had it in the past and I came into a game it's like every ball you throw, that pressure mounts more to throw the next one. You put more pressure on yourself. And that's kind of what happens in major league debuts. Yeah. Guys getting called up to the big leagues, your first time in the playoffs, all these things, is you have this level of adrenaline and anxiety that you're not used to, and yeah. you can't move the same. You can't grip the ball the same. And so the yips is kind of like something that that's just always there waiting to pop up. And Yeah, I mean, so when he struggles like that, I'm always thinking, shit, please don't come back. Please don't come back just for yeah. him. I got to imagine he, no matter how tough he is, kind of thinks the same thing. Yeah. Um, So my question, I guess, would be yesterday the stuff was off just a little bit from what it's been because people keep thinking, is he hurt, whatever, because his stuff, it's it's almost the same as last year. And that's what I'm thinking yesterday. That would be why it would be down a a mile an hour or two if he's just trying – if he's trying to aim the ball. Maybe that's his first step in getting through this, making sure he doesn't walk anybody. And then next time he comes out, he can unleash again. But and my other question was for you is he threw so much. Remember, he threw. He had a streak going. It was yeah. like I think the first eleven or ten postseason appearances, uh, postseason game. He pitched in every game. Yep. And he pitched into November last year. Yeah. After making sixty nine appearances during the season, could we be seeing some residual from that? And if so, that seems like the kind of thing that he could work through during the year and regain that as we go along. If he's not overused early, if they're if they're pretty careful with how they use him early, that he could get that back before too much longer. Because because he had a shorter off season than ever. Plus, spring training was half the length of it usually is too. Well, and that's All another that way you contribute. That's another way you'll walk, guys. Too is if you have a little bit of a dead arm. Yeah, you know when, when your arms you don't necessarily feel anything when your arms tired. The shit's just not there. Like you right. you go to throw. And all of a sudden you, you feel fine. You feel normal and guys are on your shit and you're throwing 94 instead of him throwing 98. Yeah. So then you go try to get it. And that's another way you walk guys is trying to chase velocity. So it could be something like that where, you know, his arms just beat up and dead and he just doesn't feel the same and he's searching for it. And you know, your first instinct when you're down throwing is, is to go get more, go get more, try harder and try harder. And so it might've been a big step for him yesterday to just be like, Look, maybe I throw 94, 95 this early in the season. Yeah. You know, maybe maybe I'm just down right now and I just need to get it in the zone and still throw relaxed and fluid versus trying to go get it. When you try to go get it and it's not there, yeah. That's when you misfire, you yank it and you push it and you have all these misses and start walking guys and then leaving balls middle and they get hit because your arm's not there and you're flat. You know, I mean it's it can kind of pile up and, and snowball on you real quick. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, here's a guy that was Tyler Nutsack in November pitching like, yeah. and, the, and then the world is heralding him and the stadiums are just, you know, cheering for him. And I mean, he's got this incredible rush that he's never had before. And he's relatively late in career to have these for the first times because he had that long period away. Um, 
and then he pitches into November. Then he comes back, and I don't know how many pitch, how much he pitched in the offseason, but I would think that with him getting a lot of notoriety and all that, and then everything being lockout, and he's a reliever, I doubt he pitched a lot in the offseason to hitters or anything like that, you know? Yeah. So that, and then postseason is con- or, or uh, spring training is condensed. A lot of guys go through dead arm late in spring training. Well, they didn't even have a chance to get to dead arm stage this year in spring training. So I think some guys, as Snit said, some guys are going through that dead arm. They went through it back in early April, mid-April. It could be something like that. You know, it could all just be contributed to it, and the yips might not have anything to do with this. He might just be going simply going through that, whereas a guy that was pitching uh, uh, with this adrenaline high and pitching the best baseball of his life into November. Yeah, and if you look at it, you know, he, he he's never really had that 70-game season out of the pen. Right. He's he you know, he's pitched 33 one, games yeah. one year in the minors. He was a starter for a while. That first year that you go out and throw 70 games and then however many more in the postseason. 13 more in the postseason. 13 more in the postseason, all high stress, yeah. all max effort. 82 uh, appearances last year. You know, I mean, it, it, it's kind of the perfect storm to, to yeah. get in this kind of funk is is having that. Yeah, it's it's weird because when you're throwing, you know it's not there, but you don't know why. Right. And if and you, if someone could just tell you, like, look, dude, talk yeah. sense into you. You threw 85 games last year, high yeah. stress. It's you've never been through that workload. Your arm's not going to be the same the next season, especially if you try to go get it. You know, if yeah. if you're smart and you just pitch and your team manages you well, slowly that's going to come back. But when you try to just be the same guy you were in November yeah. and early April with a short spring training. Three it's and a half easy weeks to, spring training. It's easy to find yourself kind of overthrowing and missing a lot. So he's one of those guys that if he'd had a normal length spring training, he he and those other stud relievers from then, they he wouldn't even hardly have even pitched those guys until the last two or three weeks of camp. Early on, yep. they would they would barely have even pitched. Yep. But they couldn't do that with this spring training. So it was just all jacked up, you know. So come so I think it like you said, I think it's a perfect storm. I mean, this is a guy that had been an indie ball, bouncing around, gone to sign with a AAA to revive his career, and all of a sudden he's the the biggest the setup guy on a team that's going to win the World Series. And then Luke Jackson gets hurt before the before spring uh, spring training's even over, so there's even more pressure on Massick to be the setup guy, you know. And more games they want to use him. Yeah, so you know, it's harder to rest him. And might he, just that, have to ease him through this thing. Yeah, and that that's why yesterday was so important because uh, you can't. You can't come in and say, I'm just going to throw strikes today and yeah. give up a two spot and, and feel what what you need to feel like in a one-run game. And every game has been close so far this season, especially when he's been coming in because he's their guy. Yeah, You know, they, they need him to be that guy from last year to at least expect it. And so it's it's so nice. It's so, Blowouts are so nice for the bullpen because, yeah. shit, if you're Matzik and you've been good and you're up 9-1 in the third inning, you just put your feet up. You know, if the game starts getting a little hairy, you start stretching. But just those mental days off, if you've been struggling a little bit, are so nice. Guys, let's take a quick break, and then we'll finish up the show. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Yeah, so they went a two out of three yesterday, and now they got Boston coming in, and Boston is struggling. They come in for a two-game series of truest Tuesday, Wednesday. So the Braves have got a chance really to get to get this momentum going with another series win. So, you know, they've after not winning a series at all in their first what five. And they, they they took two out of three from the Cubs. Then they had that horrible start to the road trip with losing two out of three to Texas. But since then, 
you know, you're looking pretty good in your last five. You've won, what, two of them, split a four-gamer with the Mets and lost that one to Texas. So it's definitely progress. And then you beat Boston. you got some momentum going. If You you got a chance to sweep them. you got Kyle Wright going in the first one. He's 3-1 and one with a 1-7-4 ERA. I talked to him yesterday after the game, and he said, I feel like we're still coming into our own. We struggled yeah. early on, but we're starting to play better baseball. So far, we've, we haven't played complementary baseball. We'll do one of the facets really well. But it seems like we're starting to put some stuff together. Played really good teams this week. It feels good to split with the Mets and win this series for sure and definitely move in the right direction. And he he commented on how much bigger it is having Acuna as well, just what he does, the energy he brings. Um, a lot of the guys were talking about that. So uh, they got a real chance, yeah, with, uh, you know, if you get Charlie going and get him back to some semblance of last year, then you're looking at this rotation, man, at the top now with, with Kyle and Max, Max is pitching again like a Cy yeah. Young. You know, he yeah. looks terrific lately. But you got Kyle Wright, who's got a 174 ERA and five starts. Max, who's got a 268 and six, and that included the rough one early. So he's been terrific lately. Max has got 35 strikeouts and two walks this year in 37 innings. Kyle Wright has got 37 strikeouts and seven walks in. 31 innings. Those two guys, man, your horses at the front right now are have 72 strikeouts, nine walks in 68 innings. Yeah, I mean the biggest the biggest story of the year for me is Kyle Wright. Yeah, yeah. If, if he didn't do what he did and Charlie's struggling. Yeah. yeah. Ian's Ian's hasn't found his footing completely yet, you know. It'd be it could be a really ugly record cuz yeah. Kyle stepped up and has done and he, everything you hoped Charlie would do. Yeah, pretty much. He's just filled right in for him while he finds it. Yeah, you would have never thought Charlie would be better than a one seven four year and five starts, especially after he started slow last year too. So yeah, Ian after the, the rough couple outs, he's he's been really good lately, yeah. man. I mean, he's yeah. he's been solid. So you know, he's still walking too many, but he's getting out of those jams just like he did last year. You know, his whips one three eight, his ERA's down to four one. He'll be under that soon. So you got those three, and you got Charlie, who you figure is going to put this together. Yesterday was a big. Big step in the right direction. So you got four guys. The only question is that fifth, because Bryce Elder is is just not ready. We thought he, that first start kind of we kind of took things for granted, seeing how good he was in that first start. But since then, he's just he just wasn't the same, and he got shipped down to AAA. Who uh, watched Noah? I did, dude. I he broke his hand last year, and I hope he didn't break his career because he just has not been right. Uh, you know, he got he got beat up the other day in AAA. He gave up a grand slam and a home run in that game. So. He just can't. He just cannot get back to where he was so far. So I, that's a mystery to me how he's not been able to recover that yet. So I think uh, I think you might be going. You're going to go with Spencer Strider as your fifth starter probably soon. And if not, you're going to go with him piggybacking your opener and doing what he did the other day when Strider was phenomenal after Chavez had that rough first inning as an opener. I'm just blown away by behind. If, if Kyle Wright is the biggest story, and I agree he is, pitching-wise, Spencer Strider is the second biggest because this yeah. guy's been terrific. Well, he hasn't been in as big a, a right. big enough role to, to right. have that impact that Kyle's had. Right. Um, and I don't I don't understand always the – maybe it's just to take pressure off him doing the opener thing, trying to get him off on the right foot, let Chavez face that one, two, three, maybe four. Yeah. Um, but I thought they were trying to have him fit. The idea was – have Chavez face the first guys. And that way you could have Strider at least go three innings and only face the top of the order once. Right. But I also think he's getting past that now because he went five and he went, he was terrific. And he's yeah. showing that he can handle not just the, the, you know, the middle and bottom of the order guys. He can dominate the top of the order guys with that stuff. He's got, yeah. even yeah. if he's only a two pitch guy right now. Yeah. I, I think he's got to start getting starts. I do too. I mean, it's next time through. I think you got to at least try and see where he's at. He's obviously the, the pressure is just this. I don't think it's a bother. I think that was the other part of it is, you know, how it goes. If, if he knows he's starting, he's got time to think about it, get warmed yeah. up and all that. If he knows he's coming in relief and it could be in the second inning or it could be the fourth inning or whatever, but it's different warming up in the pen, right? That it is warming up to start the game. Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. I would have to do that sometimes in rehab appearances and right but he's been a starter in the minor leagues oh yeah and Clemson so, and the minor leagues yeah so I don't think it, it would be too awkward for him maybe it might just be a pressure thing you know sometimes yeah. teams know a guy's mentality they have a tendency to overthink or something like that and 
they don't really tell him when he's coming in to kind of do him a favor, but they just say, you know, you need to be ready to go long tomorrow, something like that. And they know he's throwing the second inning the whole time, but he doesn't. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it's hard for me to understand it because if I was in that position, I'd want to, I'd want to just start the game if I was a starter. He, that, that, that appearance the other day was just, that was against the Brewers was really impressive, man. I mean, this guy is coming in and throwing 99. Every pitch. It's that, that is his velocity. He sits <laughs> yeah. at 99. Yeah. It's insane. It sits at 98, 99. That's just easy for him. I mean, and he tops out at like 100.7. Yeah. But, and he pitches like, makes like three or four pitches over 100 every game. He yeah. could do more too if he wanted to. If he's only going for an inning or two, I think he could throw every fastball over a hundred. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's you know, it's not everything. You've watched if you've seen Hunter Green pitch this year. Yeah, he sits one hundred two or whatever he sits, and he's he's, he's still out. getting hit. So that yeah. says something about Strider's secondary stuff. Yeah. But that slider, it's only it's really the only other pitch he throws much. He did throw one change up the other day. Yeah, let him know he has it. But that slider's pretty damn good, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're seeing the results. Yeah. And, and it, you know, maybe it's not the best slider in the world, but when you're throwing a hundred, you don't need right. the best. You need right. a decent one. Yeah. And he's got that. And man, he can locate that fastball. That thing yeah. gets up on you. It's got some giddy up and he puts it in the top of the zone and guys cannot catch up to it. No. And that's, that's kind of one of the, the nice things for him is that that's where he tends to miss. And that's where he tends to live is up in the zone. And he throws high strikes though, too. Yeah. But just forcing guys to chase a hundred up in the zone. Yeah. Or, or get ready for a hundred up in the zone. You can throw your slider right down the middle. Yeah. And you talked about Kimbrell being under six foot and how it helps him. This that is another leverage, guy that's yeah. under six foot. He's listed at six. I think he's probably like five eleven. but I mean, he doesn't come from the side or anything, but he is, he's got not coming from as tall six, four, like most of these guys uh, that throw a hundred like green, you know, six, five or whatever he is. This is a guy that's under six foot and he is just, you know, he looks undersized on the mound. But this guy's put together. He's put in a lot of conditioning. and he's Oh, he wears those tight pants. You can see his legs. Yes. And Kenley, <laughs> Kenley talked about how – I wouldn't notice – I wouldn't notice this pitcher's notice this stuff, though, how flexible he is for being yeah. a guy that's put together, how flexible he is. And you can see some of the pictures that are taken of him in his delivery. He's yeah. got he's, – he's built for pitching, man. This guy's put together his body for pitching after going through TJ surgery. Probably another guy that was helped by TJ, you know, and focusing on all the on, – on strengthening everything around, you know, the elbow, especially the shoulder when you're going through TJ rehab. You know, the interesting thing about guys that are flexible like that is sometimes it's just like strength. You know, I feel like guys that are born with it, that are just born that flexible, uh-huh. it's a huge benefit – but if you went and worked for it, sometimes it's not the best thing. Like for me, I stretched all the time because I was born so tight. Right. And if I stretched too much, I would I would struggle and I couldn't move. And Charlie's the same way. Charlie's just super flexible, which I don't know if he worked at it, but he feels like he's always been that way. But yeah. the guys that are born like that and don't have to force their body to be that flexible, they can get there and still be strong. Where like for me, if I stretch too much, I got weaker, you know, because yeah. you lose that pop in your muscles. But his natural muscle length, supports that flexibility and that's just where he lives at and then he's strong and able to lift weights and not lose that flexibility uh-huh. it's a it's a nice combo for being able to throw hard for a long time he had eight strikeouts in that career high in that five innings in that game uh, has 24 and 16 and two-thirds this year that's the second most or it was before yesterday i didn't look yesterday he was behind only uh, Michael King of the Yankees, who had 25 and 17 and two-thirds in one more inning. So, I mean, Strider is – what he's doing as a reliever is pretty special, man. He uh, he came in against the Brewers after Chavez had given up a couple runs in that first inning and just shut him down. He's got – let's see. He's got uh, – Strider has a 216 ERA, 1.08 whip. Gave up. He's allowed nine hits and nine walks. Three of the four runs he gave up came in one appearance April 23rd, his only bad one. And he didn't get an out in that game. He gave up two hits, two walks in that game. His other five appearances, this guy has an 055 ERA, 0.55. 
It's pretty damn good. <laughs> I asked Jansen. So so Kenley Jansen has kind of taken this guy under his wing since day one, since Kenley arrived at, after signed late with the Braves and arrived. At, he's kind of taken a liking to this guy as a young guy, kind of recognized some of the same stuff. And as I said, I go, you threw that hard when you were that young, right? And he goes, yeah, I threw as hard as him, Jansen said. He goes, you know, it's special, man, to see how live his arm is and how he's developing so far. He talked about how how his his live arm and how uh and how flexible he is, and Ken and how curious the guy or how many questions that he asked. And Kenley loves when guys are like that, young guys. I love it too. And Kenley said he was like that in the Dodger bullpen. He became a leader in the Dodger bullpen, help out anybody who wants to help. And he says he's like that with this guy, you know, that he really loves being helping these young kids out to try to get to that next level. So yeah. Strider is really. So Strider grew up watching Kenley Jansen as one of the best closers in the game. Him and Kimbrell were the best in the last decade. So he grew up watching this guy, you know. So he's yep. about, so seeing him day one when Kenley arrived, this six foot six dude from Curacao, and being a guy that's really open, he's just thrilled with that. Strider's loving it, man. He's and he's tapping into him the resource as his mind as a resource. It's so huge, you know. It's and it, you never know who's gonna say something that clicks. But that's the whole point of asking questions is you might ask two or three vets something that doesn't resonate. And then one guy says it in a way that just makes perfect sense to your brain. And you hold on to that feeling and just ride it the whole season. And it happens. It happens all the time, but it never happens if you don't ask questions or you don't have a veteran that's willing to go out of his way and share everything he knows. But, you know, that's a good thing. And the cool thing about baseball is there's so much knowledge passed down and handed down. Yeah, I'm, I'm a stuck. It wasn't five innings. It was four um, in the game on Friday against the Brewers. So Chavez gives up three hits, two runs in the first inning. Strider comes in, gives up four hits, no runs, no walks, which is huge. I mean, Snit loves that. Eight strikeouts in four innings, man. Dude's dealing. And that's a, that's a damn good Brewers lineup, too. Right. Through almost exclusively 96 to 100 mile an hour four seamers in that appearances, in that appearance, 81 to 84 mile an hour sliders. That was it. One changeup. He topped out at 100.7. He threw 11 pitches at 99.0 or higher. 11. Yeah, it's you know, there's there's like two things that go into it too, and I don't I don't really know how to 100% look it up, but he's got good spin on his four seamer, but there's like. There's spin efficiency too that they're starting to analyze now where it's how much does your spin match up with your release? And I uh-huh. bet if you looked his up, you know, he's not just throwing 99. He's throwing a sneaky right. 99 with some ride to it because it's so many times that I see him throw a fastball middle, middle up. Yeah. And it's in a fastball count and it just seems to beat hitters. And then you yeah. have a guy like Hunter Green who's throwing 100, 203. Something about his mechanics and the way he releases the ball, they can hit it. They can yep. track it. They can time it. And with Strider, you know, he's not throwing. You don't have to worry about a changeup. You know, you're, you're worried about the slider. But everybody's ready for 100, and they just yeah. can't get to it. So yeah. it's always a good sign when a guy's just beating guys in fastball counts with his fastball. No doubt. Nothing better to have than a fastball that you can throw in fastball counts, and he has that. So when he left the game, I was watching him. I had baseball savant going. And when he left the game, I looked, and he had, at that point in the game, through five innings, he had the top 47 highest velocity pitches thrown by anybody on either team in that game. <laughs> he finished with the top 24, all of them above 98 miles an hour. 24 pitches above 98. Keep in mind, Josh Hader pitched in this game. Yep. And he had the top 24 pitches because Hader's nasty. Hader topped out at 98. Well, Hader's a perfect example of what I was – you know, talking about hiding the ball and release yeah. points and extension and all these things yeah. where all his all everything about him comes together where he's got some deception, he's got great spin, he's got a release play uh release point that matches up with that spin. And it's not like you don't watch Josh Hader pitch and you're just amazed by his location. Right. You know, he misses middle and it's a right. swing and miss anyway. There's there's certain guys where it all seems to just match up to where hitters know it's coming and just can't get to it. And, and Strider's starting to look like one of those guys, too. Yeah. Chris Sales kind of reminds me of Hater. Hater's like better, but Sale, when he was at his best and healthy. Yeah. Um, but Snit said, you know, I, I was like, he's basically, Snit, I go, are you surprised that a guy's able to do this with basically two pitches? Uh, that's what he's throwing. That's what he's using. And Snit said, well, it's a big arm. 
He said he threw a couple of changeups too. It was actually only one. He said that could really be a good pitch for him to speed guys up. Yeah. He said, yeah, with that kind of stuff, though, if he throws it over, he said major league hitters will time a jet if you don't mix something in. But that's the thing. He threw some really good breaking balls too, that slider. Yeah, he does. But you got to think. think Guys like Derek Lowe that that threw mainly one pitch. Yeah. You know, and then – Derek Lowe got toward the end of his career where that sinker didn't have the same break to it, and he started mixing in the cutter to get him off the fastball. But he made his career off of one pitch, mm-hmm. which was the sinker with the sinker movement. And now guys have different swing planes, and yep. it's almost like the good riding four-seam fastball is the new sinker where you can throw it and know you're getting bad contact or a swing and miss. Yeah, these guys with the launch angle that are trying to hit homers and swing, swing it up, and, and you try to do that against him, against Strider. throwing you're a bumping it up, up or you're swinging through it. Yeah. And that's what they've done. That's what they've done to him consistently. So it's interesting. And there's not a bunch of guys throwing like that. So it's not like he has to worry about, you know, a bunch of hitters changing their swings and doing this. Because, I mean, this, he's coming along at, at the right time with yeah. his stuff. But I, it's interesting with that changeup, though. If he develops that pitch, man, he could get oh, back. To, he's you so young. <laughs> I, could see him, I could see him not even wanting to use him in the pen if he develops that changeup. Yeah. If he doesn't have to throw so many 100-mile-an-hour pitches, I think he'd go a lot deeper in games. But he's already shown he can throw four or five innings, throwing nothing but heaters just about. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that would be, you know, if, if he gets a full season of starts. Right. I've heard I've heard that was a big thing that Astros talked about. They had a way to measure jump on a fastball, which is basically that, that ride I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, and they would – you know, it's kind of like the, the first time through the league, you hear, you hear, oh, he's got a lot of ride on his fastball. You've got to ride it on his fastball. But certain guys, you have to see it to know just how extreme it is. And I guess the Astros had a way to quantify it where they'd be like, he's plus two jump on his fastball or some, some shit like that. And, and the so, Astros guys with the Braves now, remember? They hired right. a couple and, years ago, one of them. Yeah. So then, but they, the point being, they could anticipate that and kind of give themselves a shortcut to know how you almost have to swing over the top of the ball and then it runs into your bat. Like a sinker, you got to think about trying to get under it and swing below where it, right. in time where it's going to be. Um, but even then, you know, I just I don't know if there's anybody on earth that can consistently hit 99 up in the zone for a strike. Yeah. Uh, by the way, he threw 50 strikes in 69 pitches in that game in yeah. four innings, which you also don't see guys sit in 98 throw that many strikes. Exactly. Um, I asked him, I said, do you want to be a starter? Have they talked to you about being a starter? Because I've been a starter. Because uh, I asked him about the role he's in now. How is it difficult to come in and throw three or four innings when you don't even know when you're going in and all that? And he said, I've been a starter most of my life, so I'm used to extended outings. Obviously, it's kind of the way they've been using me. So I'm expecting that whenever they call down to the bullpen. I'm going long, yeah. It's going to be ready. He said, my job, regardless of what their intentions were for how they wanted to use me, is to go out and just get each batter at a time. So I'm just going to keep doing that. And I said, do you do you want to make a start? And you thought, have you thought about you know you might get a chance to? And he said, I'm just grateful for the opportunity to be here. And whenever yeah. they call me, that's when I pitch. Like I said, whatever they need me to do. So he's got the right attitude. I mean, he's yeah, he has every right to be saying you know. I mean, if this guy was an ass or a prima donna, he'd say, why is Jesse Chavez getting? Why is he the opener? Why can't I? Why haven't I earned that? But he's not a peep like that. So. He's saying the right things, and all the relievers have really embraced him, the veterans. He's, you know, coming down there, you could look at him. Here's the guy throwing 101, thinks he's hot shit, but they, they're not looking at him like that because he's yeah. not acting like that. He's just yeah. keeping his head down, going out and mowing guys down when they call on him. Yeah, that's a good uh, good place to be mentally. He's with the boys, as Riley would say. Is he? Riley talks about every time Riley says that I think of you. So when you told me yeah. that, because Riley says it all the time, I asked him about Darno because Darno looks like Darno again. Darno came back. Yeah. People forget, I think, when he was out for three months last year, how long he was out because he came back. He wasn't the same hitter. Come back from a major thumb thing. You're not going to be able to have that strength at the end of that season. There's no way. But right now, he's the best hitting catcher in baseball, probably. I mean, yeah. The guy is phenomenal. He threw out two guys in one game, too, this weekend. So he ended that game with a strike. I'm out throwing my double play. Um, to think that everybody wanted Real Muto a couple years and what it would have cost them to get Real Muto in trade and then to try to sign him. Yeah. And they've got Darno doing, uh, right now, better than Real Muto. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but uh, I asked about Real Muto uh, or about Darno, and, and the guys love Darno, the way he handles Oh, he's himself, awesome. The way he handles pitchers. 
he hits, and Riley said he's always with the boys, man. Meaning, yeah. if, for people that outside the game, not really. That just means, like you said, that's like the ultimate good thing you can say about one of your teammates. You know. Well, yeah, but that's the first thing you ask. You know, when you when you that, that just became a way to. It used to be he gets it. Yeah. Where you know you'd say like, "What's this guy like?" or "What's that guy like?" No, he gets it. He's over himself. He he gets what's expected of him in the clubhouse and. There's this there's this path we're all trying to be on together, you know, because you get guys that I mean, I, I remember I've, I've been on teams where they've a GM's asked me, like, what's this guy in the like in the clubhouse? And you got to think about it and give him an honest answer. Do I want do is it, what's this guy going to do to the vibe we have here? Right. And the guys that are with the boys or whatever, or we always said he's the boys, meaning yeah. if if we land in New York and somebody says, hey, who wants to go out to dinner tonight? Yeah, you want you want everybody on the team to, to want in. And that's the vibe you want to have. That's the group you want to have because that's when you you have those inside jokes and those things that, that happen. The funny things happen when you're out at dinner that you're talking about the field the next day that kind of carry you through the year. Yeah. You get some guys that come to a team and they're just going to go to their room and look at their phone or whatever and be by themselves. And they come the next day and they're just really not on that ride with you. You know, the guys that are the boys or whatever the guys are doing, whatever the boys are doing, I'm in. I want to be a part of this group. So it, it is. It's really the ultimate compliment and pretty much all anybody cares about when you trade for a guy. Yeah. Nobody wants to know, like, you know, does Giancarlo really have that power everybody talks about? It's like, shit, I can see that on TV. Right. What's he like to interact with on a daily basis? Right. It's a big deal. And Alex has figured that out, obviously, from yep. his time with the dot with Toronto when he started stressing character and personalities and all that started to be in obviously talents first and foremost, but then he would make moves. He decided one off season, he was going to make moves with that in mind, the clubhouse at all times. Bringing in guys. It worked. They, they want, they, they broke their, their postseason uh, drought. Then he goes to the Dodgers. He sees that's what they've done with the Dodgers. He came here and he's taken it to another level with every move he's made. He's tried to make sure that he's bringing in the right guys so that they can maximize what they have here talent wise, especially it was especially important when the budget was lower than it is now. Yeah. You know, you can't afford to have a couple of guys that don't fit in that, uh, you know, are sucking up payroll and don't fit in. You got to have the right vibe. And they've been able to do that. Um, you know, anybody that's uh, played on championship teams in recent years will tell you. Yeah. hundred percent. You know, you can have a $250 million payroll, but, you're not going to necessarily be better than the team with $170 million payroll if all their parts fit together and they all like playing together. Yeah, and it, you know, it's another thing that it makes it so much easier to criticize guys, get your point across to them when you bought them dinner the night before. You know, I mean, like I could have – David Ross and Eric Hinsky rode my ass when I was young, when I messed up. They came straight up to me, said, you're not going to do that shit. Here's what we're going to do. You're going to be on time. Whatever it was that I messed up that, that kind of went against like the group, you know, path. Yeah. But then they're still, you know, we're getting on the team bus when we land in a new city and they're like, hey, come to dinner with us. You know, it's on us tonight. Yeah. And everybody else is invited too. you know, it's when you're just showing up, you're the superstar. You don't talk to guys, you're untouchable and they mess up. And the only time you talk to them is when they fuck up. Yeah. It's kind of like they don't trust you and they're, they're, you got to have some kind of buddy mentality with them, too, where where they feel like you want the best for them. And, and hanging out off the field is one of the most important things to get that across. So, and I think that's, uh, we've seen it. I mean, we always kid about, you know, the Mets are going to mess it up. They're going to fuck it up. Well, yeah, they got a different vibe. They, they've been an example in recent years of a team that when things go south, like last year, look at them, they led the division for so long. And then they just came completely apart when things went south, when they went through a little bit of a adversary, they did adver- adversity instead of handling it, they splintered and they just came apart and they yep. just went down the toilet in the last weeks of the season. This team, this Mets team appears to have a different vibe, and it's because of some of the pieces they've brought in, in addition yeah. to the talent, obviously. But they just seem to get along much better and have respect for each other and for the game. But uh, it's why this Braves team, if it got, if you know the guys on the team, you're and the guys on the team themselves are a lot less concerned than they would have been by their start if they didn't know what they went through last year. Yeah. How much everybody on the team gets along and the vibe that's in the clubhouse. It's just a whole lot easier not to panic when you trust that everybody in that clubhouse is on the same page and you got a long way to go. So I really haven't seen any kind of panic from them at all. And I'm not surprised after, you know, the bonds that they've built and they've had, they brought in some new pieces with that in mind. They haven't brought anybody disruptive. 
And everybody right. can say what they want about Marcelo Zuna, and he's sucking this year, you know, after the good start. But he's still not in the clubhouse a about a, a problem. Yeah. So that's that's the important thing when it comes to the team itself. So, all right, that's it. Braves are on a good roll. Let's see if they can keep it going. Uh, you know, still got a long way to go. Still five and a half behind the Mets, but it could have been eight behind if they'd have lost that yeah. last game in, in New York, and it could have been you know approaching double digits now. So five and a half is nothing, folks. If they get on a roll, it's a uh, they got four. They got fifteen games left head to head against the Mets. So yeah, and they're just getting started. They're getting started, and, and that pitching's really starting to come together. And you guys have got Ronald Acuna on your team, man. And yeah. you don't know how huge that is. Yeah. All right, that's it. 755 is real. We're out. Thank you, everybody. Mm-hmm.